News Weekly is an ad-free listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast. Top Stories of the Week Whose surplus is it anyway? Also, being convicted of sexual abuse gets you a show on CNN now. And the Wrath of Khans, supporters. All that and a little bit more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Peter Dutton says something sensible news now. The Labour federal government finally unveiled its budget this week, an annual event which is looked forward to by finance journalists, the opposition party and people who love making winners and losers lists. Let's look at the winners and losers and what this budget means for you. Here's a quick guide to this budget's big winners and losers. So who are the winners? Overall, low-income earners and groups like aged care workers who will get a wage increase. While the big losers include smokers and middle- and upper-class Australians. Who will now also become smokers because that's what losers do. The big news in the budget wasn't just that it was mean to upper-class Australians and lung cancer aficionados, but that it was the first surplus in 15 years. That means the last time Australians had a surplus was in 2008. The world was so different back then. In 2008, the Taliban was resurgent in Afghanistan. Russia invaded a former Soviet satellite state using claims of wanting to defend ethnic Russians. There was a global financial crisis. A former Pakistani prime minister was attacked by the military government, leading to nationwide strikes and rioting. Oh, and Prince Harry was on his way back to the UK to address a leak by the tabloids. So, you know, a very different time. But with all that surplus and a fairly even budget overall, it fell to the opposition to deliver their response. Peter Dutton was happy to give Labour credit for the surplus in as gracious a way as he could muster. The budget's back in black. Does the government get a tick for that? Well, I think they do get a tick. And uh, frankly, I think if they're being gracious, uh, they should acknowledge that they inherited a pretty good set of figures. That's known as the we loosen the lid first response. Dutton then went back to doing what he does best when faced with any challenge, blaming it on foreigners. Peter Dutton accusing Labour of worsening the cost of living strain through record migration. 1.5 million more people in the next five years, almost half in the next two. Won't the Prime Minister's migration policy just make life harder for the growing number of working poor Australians? He did have one fairly interesting and, I think, worthwhile idea during his budget response speech. I announced that a coalition government will move to ban sports betting advertising during the broadcasting of games. Ads would be banned for an hour each side of a sporting game. I encourage the Prime Minister to work with us on this initiative to get it implemented now. That's actually pretty good. I've been here almost 12 years and I still don't understand how betting ads are allowed on TV and why gambling isn't straight up illegal. It's such a bold change in direction by Dutton and the Liberal Party that even Sky News wasn't fully on board with it. Here's Sky News presenter and three children in a suit poorly disguised as an adult, Caleb Bond. 
Peter Dutton tonight in his budget reply speech dropped a bit of a clangour. He wants to ban sports betting ads during football games. Banned for an hour before, banned for an hour after and banned in between during the game. That's four or five hours worth of advertising space that will be taken away from betting companies. And look, you mightn't like punting, but most people who have a punt do so responsibly. People who have a punt are addicted, who spend money they shouldn't be spending, are not going to be discouraged from having a punt on the footy because all of a sudden the advertising has disappeared from the football game. Yes, but then it's not like the responsible punters will forget that sports betting exists as a concept because they didn't see a commercial for a few hours. In fact, a study by the Australian Gambling Research Centre found a direct link between sports betting advertisements and increased punting among young people, with Australians losing an estimated $25 billion on legal forms of gambling every year. So why then is Caleb Bond, who is clearly a five-year-old with a cat stapled to his chin, defending sports betting on Sky News so vociferously? Because the bookies pay large sums of money to broadcasters and to the AFL to be involved in the game. And that is money that ultimately flows through to kids and grassroots football. Ah yes, that reliable trickle-down economics of advertising revenue that somehow magically makes its way from broadcasters of commercial sports like News Corp down to kids in footy ovals in country towns? That's what this is really about, and not, you know, maybe News Corp last year increasing its investments in the online gambling industry, like buying the startup Better, which recently took on more than $50 million of new financing, and News Corp happens to own half of it. Still, with Peter Dutton being weirdly mature and responsible now that he's wearing glasses, the opposition needs desperately to inject some crazy bullshit into the response. And where you need crazy bullshit you find Matt Canavan. Brought in some coal, I thought Actually, you might... I brought in the budget surplus, Tom. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> this is it right here. The Queensland Minister for Blackface spent the entire whole day carrying around the same lump of coal he probably lost his virginity to. This oh. is the surplus. This is your surplus. <laughs> it's, I've got the budget surplus right here. It's a big piece of coal from central Queensland. <laughs> so why was he carrying coal around all day other than being his emotional support coal? Well, he was making a visual demonstration of what he believes is the source of the surplus, something that conservative politicians for some reason think cannot be done without visual aid. Here's Scott Morrison back in 2017 when he was appointed treasurer, not like in 2021 when he appointed himself treasurer. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. The treasurer you. knows the rule on props. It's coal. It's like to think we all lack object permanence. The only problem is Matt Canavan's wrong. Here's Channel 7's political editor, Mark Riley. But it isn't. Only 20% is from commodities, double that 40% is higher income taxes from low unemployment. Which means Matt Canavan spent the whole day carrying coal around Canberra for no reason other than love and lust. It's all about the ratings, ratings, ratings. News now. It turns out the best defense against accusations that you sexually assaulted someone isn't to say it's because you weren't attracted to the accuser, then confuse the accuser for your ex-wife, then say you definitely did grab a lot of women the way you said you did. That was the strategy employed by former US President Donald Trump in a civil trial brought against him by magazine writer E. Jean Carroll, who claims he raped her in the 90s. I think she's sick, mentally sick. I still don't know this woman. I think she's a whack job. It's the most ridiculous, disgusting story 
It was just made up. You know it's not true, too. You're a political operative also. You're, disca you're a disgrace. You wouldn't be a choice of mine either, to be honest with you. I hope you're not insulted. I would not, under any circumstances, have any interest in you. Shown an old photo of him and his accuser on the left. It's Marla. Marla Maples was his second wife. You say Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's, that's my wife. The person oh, you just pointed to was oh, Eugene Carroll. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the Well, that's what... It's, if you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself... Uh, to be a star. I think you can say that, yeah. After a testimony like that, even Fox News wasn't too surprised when the jury found him guilty of sexual abuse and defamation. We're going to go back to Brian Yenis uh, because they're reading the verdict right now. Brian, what can you tell us? The verdict right now is on the question of whether or not Mr. Trump raped E. Jean Carroll. The, the uh, jury has found him, uh, has said no. But on the question of whether or not she was sexually abused by the former president and whether or not he forcibly touched her, the jury has come back and said yes. They have found him liable for sexually abusing and forcibly touching E. Jean Carroll back in 1996. Martha, this jury has found that uh, former President Trump did defame uh, e. Jean Carroll. They have found him liable for defamation, and they say that he must pay $2 million to E. Jean Carroll for the battery charge. In the end, the jury awarded Miss Carroll about $5 million in compensatory and punitive damages, which convicted sexual abuser Donald Trump probably fundraised an hour later by selling caps and stakes to his fucking crazy supporters. The case itself had all of America riveted, with news channels seeing a massive bump in ratings across the board. Still, American news networks know better by now that chasing those ratings that coverage of convicted sexual abuser Donald Trump provides is dangerous as he knows how to appeal to TV audiences and it's what led to his victory in the last election. It's just not worth the ratings to sabotage American democracy and possibly hasten America's slide into fascism. Tonight, exclusively on CNN, former President Donald Trump takes questions live from CNN's Caitlin Collins and New Hampshire GOP primary voters, their issues, their concerns, their votes. A CNN Republican presidential town hall, tonight at 8 Eastern. CNN gave convicted sexual abuser Donald Trump a live platform on which to say whatever he wants to an audience of his fans, moderated by a reporter who once ranked female Syrian refugees by hotness for a white supremacist website. And I'm not making that up, you can still Google it. The town hall then went exactly the way you think it would, like a convicted sexual abuser Donald Trump classics highlights reel, with all your favorite hits like ending the war in Ukraine right away, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. Pardoning the January 6th rioters. I am inclined to pardon many of them. And yeah, my, my answer is, I am most likely, if I get in, I will most likely, I would say it will be a large portion of them, you know. The last election was rigged. It was a rigged election, and it's a shame that we had to go through it. It's very bad for our country. All over the world, they looked at it. Drilling for oil in Alaska. Drill, baby, drill and calling the moderator nasty because he didn't like her tone. Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to... You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. <laughs> 
all of which was cheered on by his audience of supporters and Republican election strategists who couldn't believe all the free publicity they were getting from CNN. The network was attacked right away by critics of the town hall on most of the other left-leaning networks. I just don't really understand why they didn't just cut him off. What I didn't know was that the audience would be filled with his cult. <laughs> I would like to know if CNN was passing out Kool-Aid before the event started. I think it was a profoundly irresponsible decision. There is no sense in fact-checking or replaying the highlights. I'm sure you're going to have more uh, fact-checks for us because there were more lies than I could count. I think we needed a Chiron. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. This is a lie. While Fox News anchors were openly touching themselves to how sexy their president looked. But what struck me was how vigorous Trump looks. CNN has rushed to its defense, using an argument that was barely valid in the 2016 election. It was delivered by Anderson Cooper, who sounds like he's never seen Trump speak before and was somehow thus shocked at everything he said. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that. Giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front-runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. If you're angry or upset, I understand, but you have the power to do something about it. You can actually get involved. You can make a difference, whatever side of the aisle you're on. After last night, none of us can say, I didn't know what's out there. I didn't know what's coming. Does Anderson Cooper know Trump was already president for four years? Everyone knows what he's like. There's no surprises left. Everyone in America knows what his politics are and what his supporters' politics are and what the media channels did wrong to not question his lies or fact-checked him rigorously when they had the opportunity. CNN's the only one living in a silo and the only one who doesn't seem to know what's out there. It was a justification so bad, even Fox News wasn't buying it. Well, it's a very good decision for CNN. Their CEO, Chris Lick, knows this. He not, knows it's not only going to boost ratings and there's going to be a lot of talk about it following like we are today, but he's also trying to shake up the network, try to reach out more to independents, maybe even some Republicans. And so there were many Donald Trump fans in the audience. And look, whether you love Donald Trump or you hate him, he is entertaining TV. And when we see Joe Biden out there, who clearly has lost a step, and then you see where Donald Trump is, it feels like 2016 
2016 all over again. Donald Trump has not lost a step. And I really think, too, one of the reasons why Donald Trump does this, not only does he love the spotlight, but whenever you can take on established media like he did with CNN, like he did with the moderator, for many Republicans, they see that as a good thing. So I think it was a win for CNN. It's a win for Donald Trump. And I even think it's a win for the liberals who hate him because they get a lot of social media play from right. it as well. There is, however, one more winner in all of this that she didn't mention. New tonight, a lawyer for E. Jean Carroll saying the writer may sue Trump again for comments he made during last night's CNN town hall, mocking her claim that he raped her in a Manhattan department store in the mid-1990s. I never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodwin, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. This is a fake story, made-up story. An attorney for Carroll telling the New York Times everything's on the table, obviously, and we have to give serious consideration to suing Trump again. America really is just stuck in reruns at this point. Speaking of reruns, news now. Fighting has continued into its third day between Israel and Gaza. The Islamic Jihad has fired multiple rockets, as far as Tel Aviv even, that have so far killed one Israeli civilian. And the IDF have killed 30 Palestinians and injured more than 90 others in air attacks. Israel claims that the many civilians killed in that were by rocket misfires by Islamic Jihad, the same way that last year Palestinian journalist Shireen Abu Akleh was killed by a mysterious magic bullet that no one knows who fired, and not the Israeli sniper who everyone saw shoot her. The Egyptian government is currently in negotiations with both sides as it attempts to broker a ceasefire, which is kind of like a boxing match between two punch-drunk fighters being refereed by a sports betting agency that makes more money the longer the fight goes, except the referee in this case is also drunk and keeps punching the fighters when they aren't looking. The rest of the world, meanwhile, is sick of this shit because seriously, it's 2023, sort it out already. It's not like there's any oil there anyway, so no one cares. Those who don't learn from history, news now. You know, just once I'd like to see Pakistan in an international news story that doesn't involve tear gas. Is that too much to ask for? Former Prime Minister, cricketer and the only Pakistani to have more marriages and divorces than me, Imran Khan, was arrested by paramilitary forces this week on corruption charges, an arrest that led to massive riots. Protests have erupted across Pakistan after the arrest of former Prime Minister Imran Khan. Khan was arrested by security forces at the High Court in the capital, Islamabad. He was there to face corruption charges, which he says are politically motivated. An outpouring of anger across Pakistan. It's not the government that's the prime target of this fury, but the military. And that right there is the big story here. It's not Imran Khan's arrest. Getting arrested is pretty normal for Pakistani ex-prime ministers. In fact, if you haven't been arrested yet, it's only because you're the one doing the arresting. The big deal here is that Imran Khan's supporters, the political party known as Pakistan Tariqe Insaf, are blaming the military for this and targeting them in the protests. This is something that's almost never seen in Pakistan's history. The military has always been considered untouchable. The power that moves behind the scenes until those moments when it takes over the scenes and never blamed for the country's failings. But not this time. In unprecedented scenes, supporters of former Prime Minister Imran Khan stormed the army headquarters in Rawalpindi, 
as well as the paramilitary frontier force headquarters. People are blaming the military for Khan's arrest at a court in Islamabad. What they have done, is this not hooliganism? Is this not terrorism? This is the Lahore residence of the top army commander in Punjab. Protesters stormed it and set parts alight, taking out their frustrations on his belongings. Khan had predicted his arrest just before his court appearance. Let me make it clear as I'm leaving for Islamabad, they don't need to bring police, rangers, frontier corps and army in great numbers, as it would cost the national treasury a lot. If someone has warrants to arrest me, then come to me with warrants. My lawyers will be there. I'm ready to go to jail. Which isn't exactly accurate, given that previous attempts at arresting him were blocked by his supporters, who drove the police away with violence. This time, however, he has been arrested, and that led to violence from his supporters, which was then met with violence violence from the military and the police. More party leaders have been arrested and are trying to distance themselves from the destruction. But I've asked them, protest is their legal constitutional right, keep it peaceful, do not uh, 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 get into people's houses, do not uh, destroy public or private property, but peaceful protest is our right. That was Shah Mehmood Qureshi, vice president of Imran Khan's party, who has since also been arrested on spurious claims of inciting violence, the government now having the excuse it needs to fully stamp out its opposition, especially once the protesters went too far. The protesters also stole peacocks and strawberries from the commander's house and walked away. On being asked by the reporter from a person holding a peacock in his hand, the protester said that he had taken that peacock from the corps commander's house, he had stolen the money of the public, that is why the protesters are taking back their money. With not even the peacock safe, it was time for some help from the courts. Pakistan's Supreme Court has uh, ordered the release of the former Prime Minister Imran Khan, saying his arrest on Tuesday was, quote, illegal. According to the uh, Supreme Court of Pakistan, Imran Khan's arrest uh, was not lawful because no citizen should be arrested from uh, the premises of the court and it has deemed it illegal. And so the saga continues. Look, there is a lot here, by the way. Speaking personally, I used to be quite critical of Imran Khan's party when I was a journalist in Pakistan myself. The claims of incorruptibility and the messiah-like support he got from his party members was always suspect to me and continues to be so. And his cozying up to the military until it turned on him, the same way it turns on every political party in the country, was inevitable. Pakistan refuses to learn the lessons of recent history, much less the long view, and there's a lot to be said for what's wrong here and why it's happening. Except, and this is important to me, I'm an expat. I left. Chased out, arguably, but definitely not there anymore. So as a result, I don't think it's my place to say too much about how things should be fixed or who is really to blame. I can only report on the basic information as it comes, Anything more than that, I feel, is just not my place. What is my place and what is bothering me is something much more petty. The clips I've played for you so far on Pakistan were taken from coverage by Al Jazeera and BBC. The BBC used correspondence in Pakistan for news and analysis. Let's get right up to date. Let's head to Lahore. Our correspondent Sahir Baluch is following the developments. Well, let's cross live now to Islamabad and speak to my colleague Fahad Javed. And Al Jazeera English did the same with an old colleague of mine. For an update, Osama bin Javed is joining us from Islamabad. Meanwhile, this is the ABC here in Australia. 
What is your assessment of why the government is going after him so fervently? He's the most popular politician in Pakistan. There's supposed to be a general election this year. That's Lynn O'Donnell speaking. Lynn's an exceptional journalist who's been Associated Press's bureau chief for Kabul and was even held by Taliban and, is for, and was forced to tweet an apology for her reporting before she was released. These days, Lynn is in Goa, which is not in Pakistan. Neither was Afghanistan, by the way, which is where she used to report from. I know it's next door, but that's like saying anyone who spent a few years in Australia is qualified to report on New Zealand politics. Nor, by the way, is she Pakistani. Not that I'm saying you have to be Pakistani, and newsrooms often rely on foreign correspondents to get them accurate info and analysis, but really, I'm right here. Like, for, I'm a former Pakistani journalist currently living in Australia. As an Australian journalist, I am Pakistani. I even built Imran Khan's political party its first website back in 1998. By the way, Shah Mahmood Qureshi's daughter, who's part of the party leadership herself, was an ex-colleague of mine. Nothing? Not even one phone call? Like, okay, fine, you don't want to put me on air? I can get you in touch with people over there. Everyone in the ABC newsroom has my phone number. Look, I know I sound petty, and it's not like it's a paid gig, but come on, it's hard not to take this stuff personally at some point. Why do you always go to the white person for news about other countries? Even brown countries and black countries. We have our own points of view as well. We can report on the news just as well as the white person. Anyway, that's how I can make an entire nationwide protest somehow about myself. That's it from this week's edition of News Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, as you must have guessed by now, Baby Watch 2023 continues, although hopefully it's wrapping up very soon and the baby will be entering our atmosphere any day now. When that happens, News Weekly will go on a four to six week hiatus. You can continue to support the podcast by going over to iTunes, giving a five star rating and a good review. Also by joining the Patreon. If you are a member of the Patreon already, I appreciate you so, so much. And I promise I'm going to be back with News Weekly and more content as soon as I possibly can. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.